Good morning, everybody. Good to see you guys today. Um, you caught me in the middle of a drink, sorry. <laughs> um, you've heard good morning about four times, so hopefully you feel nice and welcome today. It is great to see you guys here. If you're new with us, my name is Evan. I'm usually the worship leader here at Epic, but this morning Brandon was out helping us, and I just want to say thank you to Brandon for coming out this morning. Did a great job, um, you and the whole worship team. Love having people in the community that we can reach out to who have the same heartbeat that we do, um, and God is just working through them. So we're in week two of Outcast, and we've been looking at stories in the Bible where people were pushed out, where they weren't part of the in crowd because of any number of reasons. Maybe it was some sin in their life or some perceived sin. Maybe it was a prejudice for who they were or what they did. Uh, But for whatever reason, they were pushed out and cast aside. And we all get that feeling in some way or another, Uh, maybe on a different scale, but, you know, maybe we weren't picked first or third or even last in eighth grade gym class. Maybe we were left off the team. Maybe when that group goes out for lunch every day from work, we aren't the ones that are included and they never remember to invite us. Maybe it's a little more serious. Maybe your uh, family kind of sees you as the black sheep. You don't get invited to the family reunions. Whatever it is, we get that feeling of being an outcast of not being part of the crowd. And it's never a good feeling. Uh, Last week, uh, Trent showed us the 12 disciples and the fact that they were outcasts, right? Society wanted nothing to do with them. When it came to the religious leaders and the teachers of that day, they weren't going to touch those guys with a 10-foot pole. The fishermen, the tax collectors, the zealots, these guys who, yeah, society kind of needed them to run, but they didn't really want to pay any attention to them. Those were the guys that Jesus decided to spend time with. And the reason is, is that God pursues outcasts. He's an inclusive God. And the fact is we are all outcasts pursued by this inclusive God. So if you check out for the rest of the morning, that's your line to take home with you today. (laughs) We are all outcasts pursued by an inclusive God. And that's what we see throughout Jesus' ministry. So Jesus pours himself into the outcasts of society. And the reason is he sees something in them that nobody else does. He sees that they're worth something. He sees that they matter. Jesus sees that they need to be included. And he goes out of his way to reach out to the people that nobody else wants anything to do with. Now this morning, we're going to take a little closer look at one of those guys on Jesus' team. And if you know of any of the disciples, you've probably heard the name Peter. Now Peter was a bold, outspoken He was a really brash, loudmouth guy who was not afraid to tell every single person around him what he was thinking and to hold on to that with everything that he had, whether or not he was right. So Peter's a guy who walked on water. He's the one that when Jesus is out there and he's telling disciples, come on out, he's the one who actually takes the step and walks out of the boat. He didn't walk real long, but he walked. He's got a lot more on it than I do. Uh, Peter's the first person to call Jesus the Messiah. And this was huge because up until that point, people were saying, Jesus is a great teacher. He's a prophet. Maybe he's Elijah come back from the dead. People had some really interesting ideas about Jesus. But Peter said, no, 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 you're Messiah. You are the son of God. And Jesus tells Peter on that and on you, I'm going to build my church. You're going to be my legacy. Everything that comes after me is built on that concept, and on you and the fact that you said it. 
Peter was kind of the leader and the spokesperson for the disciples. When Jesus was going to go somewhere and people wanted to know where he was going, they checked with Peter. When they wanted to know what town was next, where they were going to eat for lunch, they checked with Peter. And even though Peter didn't always have the right answer, he always gave an answer. (laughs) And so Peter was kind of the, the leader. And he was in this little crowd of three guys, Peter, James, and John, that Jesus spent some extra time with. They were kind of an inner circle, some guys set apart inside of the disciples that Jesus spent just an immense amount of time pouring into and bringing along and training up for what was gonna come after Jesus was gone. So all of that is to say Peter was part of the in crowd. Peter knew what it meant to be part of Jesus' team. And he was so set on it that just hours before Jesus is taken off and arrested, And Jesus is telling everybody, hey, some rough stuff is about to go down. Peter decides to be his outspoken self and kind of get himself into a little bit of a rut. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 26 this morning, and we're going to bounce around a little bit. If you want to follow along, please feel free to pull out your Bible or bring up an app on your phone. But we're going to make sure everything's up on the screen because I'm going to be in and out of a couple different uh, areas of the gospel. So feel free to follow along up here as well. So in Matthew chapter 26, Beginning in verse 33, Jesus has just told the disciples, hey, I'm going to be arrested. You guys are going to all scatter. You're going to take off. And Peter declares here, verse 33, Peter declared, even if everyone else deserts you, I will never desert you. And Jesus says, Peter, I hate to tell you this, but you're going to tell everybody you don't even know me. And Peter goes on to say, no, 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 I'll die for you, but I will never leave your side. This is the guy. This is the man in the inn with Jesus. And then in just a few hours after making this declaration, Peter's entire life gets turned upside down. So in that same chapter, just a little further down in verse 69, Jesus has been arrested. True to his word, the disciples have taken off, all except for Peter and John, who kind of tag along behind the crowd of, of the arresting group. And they want to see what's going to go on with Jesus. I mean, he's their friend. He's been following them for three years. So we better make sure he's going to be okay. So Jesus is in front of the high priest, and we find Peter just outside in the courtyard. So in verse 69, Peter's sitting outside in the courtyard. A servant girl comes up to him and says, you were one of those with Jesus the Galilean. But Peter denied it in front of everyone. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Later, out by the gate, another servant girl noticed him and says to those standing around, this man was a Jesus of Nazareth. And again, Peter denied it, this time with an oath. I don't even know the man, he said. A little later, some of the other bystanders came over to Peter and said, you must be one of them. We can tell by your accent. And Peter swore a curse on me if I'm lying. I don't know the man. This guy just hours before is telling everyone who will listen to him, including Jesus, I'll go to jail for you. I will die for you before I leave your side. And here he is. And a little servant girl comes up to him and says, hey, weren't you with him? And Peter's, no, I don't even know the guy. Peter's best friends in his darkest moment turn. They go off. They run away. They deny they even know him. Back in verse 74, the rooster crows, so the next day has started. And we see in verse 75, and suddenly Jesus' words flash through Peter's mind. 
Before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. And then he went away weeping bitterly. Can you imagine the guilt that is crushing Peter in this moment? This man that he's been following for three years, he's dedicated his life to, he's given up everything, family, job, livelihood, and stepped out and followed this guy. And in this moment, isn't even willing to acknowledge that he's ever met him before. Have you ever messed up so badly that you thought there was no going back? I was raised in the church, and when I was young, like eight or nine years old, I took on my parents' faith for my own. So I prayed to accept Jesus. I decided this is what I wanted to do my, with my life, was to follow him. And by nine or 10, and I was a really weird kid, but by nine or 10, I was pretty convinced that I was supposed to do something for God. Now, at that point, I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know if it was supposed to be a preacher or a teacher or a music leader, but in some way, some form, I knew God wanted me to do something for him. By 14 or 15, that had kind of crystallized, and what I decided was I wanted to be a worship leader, and I threw myself at it. So anytime the church doors were open, I was in the building. I was helping clean the place up. I was leading worship teams by the time I was about 15 years old. Uh, I was helping out with practices. I was doing stuff with youth groups. I threw myself at what I thought God wanted me to do. And this went on into my early college years. So 19, 20, 21 years old. On Friday nights, instead of going out and partying, I was going out to a youth group event or a campus event and helping out. On Sunday mornings, when everybody else is sleeping off what happened Saturday night, I was up early to help a church. In the middle of the week, instead of staying out late on campus, I was going and working in practices, or I was going to community groups. This is what I wanted to do, and I dedicated myself to it, to a ridiculous degree at times. And then at 21, 22 years old, something flipped for me, and I don't know what it was, but I got tired of being that guy. I got tired of being the good kid. People weren't even telling me that their parties were happening anymore. And so I'd find out Tuesday or Wednesday that everybody went out Friday night, and I hadn't even been told about it. And I get tired of always telling people, no, I don't want to do that. And I got tired of not knowing what was going on. And I decided what I could do was live this double life. And on Sunday mornings, I'd get up, and I'd put on my happy face, and I would help lead worship, and everything would look okay. And then, during the week and on the weekends, I'd go out and do stuff that I'm not real proud of, and I'd hang out with people that I really should not have been spending time with. And I got to the point where, where I should have been was over here, and the path that I knew God wanted me to be on was over here, but where I was going was way off this way. And I had no idea how to get back. And when the realization hit me that I was completely screwing up what God had prepared for me, I didn't even know if God wanted me to come back. I felt like an absolute disappointment to him. I felt like there's no way God wants me on this team because I'm living a lie. I'm telling everybody all this stuff on Sunday morning. I'm singing these songs that declare certain things. And instead, when nobody's watching, I'm going out and doing the exact opposite on Friday night. So why would God want me on that team? And it became really difficult to try and get back off this path and where I needed to be. We allow those feelings of guilt from what we've done to build a wall between ourselves and God, and that's exactly what I was doing. 
I had made it almost impossible for me to communicate with God because of the guilt that I was feeling. And Peter did the exact same thing. So when he realized what he had done, he took off, he ran, he gave up. And he allowed this guilt to put up a wall between him and God. Peter made himself an outcast. God doesn't cast him out. In this situation, society isn't looking at him in a funny way. Peter makes himself an outcast. But his story doesn't end there because God pursues outcasts. And Peter's story is unique because we get to see Jesus pursue Peter twice. The first time before anything ever even happens. So if we look at Luke chapter 22, we have this beautiful moment. And this is the exact same point where Jesus is telling everybody what's about to happen uh, at the Last Supper, uh, just from a different perspective, from Luke's perspective. And we have this beautiful moment where Peter and Jesus are talking and Jesus is telling Peter what's about to go down. And in verse 31, um, you're gonna see here Simon. Simon and Peter are the same guy, so don't let that confuse you. But this is Jesus speaking and he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And then Peter goes on to say, no, it's not gonna happen. There's no way. And Jesus says, it really is. (laughs) But this beautiful, beautiful image that Jesus is pursuing Peter before it even goes down. And it blows me away. So we see here, Jesus was praying for Peter, right? It says, I've pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. And not that he won't mess up, but that his faith won't fail him. So he's praying that Peter's faith carries him through to the other side. He knows Peter's going to mess up. And this is the part that gets me every single time. It was a foregone deal. It was a done deal that Peter was going to screw up. He was going to deny that he knew Jesus. And Jesus knew it. And he still reaches out to Peter and says, it's all going to happen. But I have more for you when it's all done. Your story doesn't end here. I have more for you. Come back to me. Jesus loves and accepts Peter despite the fact that he knows that Peter is going to fail him. Jesus loves and accepts us despite the fact that he knows time and time again, we're going to mess up. We're going to deny that we know him. We're going to go off the path. And Jesus says, I love you anyway. I accept you anyway. It hits me every single time I read this, and it's absolutely beautiful. We get to see Jesus come after Peter a second time. So that's all before. And then Peter goes through the denial. And afterwards, we see that he's actually figured everything's wrapped up. Because where does Jesus come looking for Peter? Peter's out fishing again. So Peter's done. The Jesus thing didn't work out for me. I screwed up. I'm not on the team anymore. I got to go put food on my table. So I'm going to go back to fishing. And Jesus comes looking for him. He doesn't wait for Peter to come and find him. Jesus goes looking for Peter and finds him out on the beach. And they have this beautiful interaction where Jesus pursues Peter. Check this out. So notice what Jesus doesn't do in that moment. 
He doesn't beat Peter over the head with his failure. He doesn't drive him in the dirt, making him feel terrible for what he had done. He doesn't hit him over and over again with, you messed up, you need to make it right. How could you do that to me? What does Jesus do? Jesus extends grace to Peter. And instead of focusing on the failure, he focuses on bringing him back in line to what he has planned for him. Peter, you still have a place on my team. I know you screwed up. But you're still in with me. Our feelings of guilt often keep us away from God. They build up this wall where we can't communicate with him anymore. And a lot of times it feels like God doesn't want to hear from us. So we decide, what's the point in praying anymore? God doesn't want to hear from me. We figure, why spend any time worshiping God? I don't deserve to spend time with him like that. He doesn't even want to be around me anymore. So why would I come to church Why would I go to a small group and spend time with people who love Jesus because he doesn't even want to be around people like me anymore? But God is not the one who casts us out in that moment. We put those feelings on ourselves. We build up those feelings of guilt and allow it to keep us from communicating with God. So if that guilt is what keeps us from communicating with God, if that's what makes us an outcast, What exactly do we do about it? Well, Jesus laid it out for Peter pretty clearly. Luke 22, 31, Peter is told, when you have repented and turned to me again. So Jesus lays it out. Step one, repent. And we have this beautiful promise from God in 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all wickedness. So he promises, if you bring it to me, I'm going to take care of it for you. And repentance is the next step forward, that once we confess, we make the decision that you're going to do something different. I was going this direction. I realized that this is not the way God wants me to be. I'm going to do a 180 and go the other way. So Jesus says, step one is repent. Step two is the harder one. Because we have to accept God's grace and mercy. This is the one that I had the hardest time dealing with. I knew I had messed up. It was my failure keeping me from God. I knew that I was on this end and not over here because of choices I had made. And I honestly felt like I didn't deserve the grace that God had for me. It wasn't that I didn't think he was capable of doing it. I wasn't worthy of it. But God wants us to accept that grace and mercy. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. In those moments when we need God's grace and mercy the most, they're the times we feel like we least deserve it. We're least likely to go to him. And God's saying, I want to do this for you. Come to me. Come talk to me. Let me make this right. Let me help you change your direction. Get on the right path. He's ready to pour it out. We have to be willing to accept it and to know that no matter what we see in ourselves, God sees worth in us. God accepts us. God loves us. 
God has more for us. He reaches out to those who have turned away from him. If you're here this morning, and a lot of that sounds pretty familiar, if you feel like you don't deserve to be here today, that you don't deserve to spend time with God, if you feel like I can't even talk to him, he's reaching out to you. He wants you to know that your story doesn't end here. I really want you to hear that this morning. Your story does not end in that failure. God has more for you. He wants you to come back. And we want to spend a little time this morning allowing you to begin that conversation. So in just a couple of minutes, the worship team's going to come back out and we're going to sing one more song. And in that moment, spend a little time asking God just to start the conversation again. You're not going to get it all right and cleaned up and put a nice little bow on it this morning. Ask God to begin the conversation. Acknowledge, hey, I screwed up. I get that. God, I can't make this right. I just want to begin talking again, and I need to trust you to make this right for me because God will take care of it. We just need to take it to him. Now, if you've experienced that grace before, if you know that feeling, if you've been there, done that, and you feel like you're on the other side, then you need to know that because you have been included, God wants you to include others. And this is a daily thing for us, right? At work, at school, at home, in our families. God wants us to reach out to the outcasts. He wants us to reach out to people who don't have anybody else to turn to. So that girl that sits by herself every lunchtime that nobody else wants to eat with, go sit with her. The guy who kind of comes to the group stuff but hangs out in the corner and he's a little bit off, go spend time with him. Start an interaction. God did it with us. We need to do it with other people. And sometimes it's as easy as telling your story. We need to be honest about the fact that we've been in the exact same place as that person is in now. They want to hear that. They want to know that they're not alone. So share your story. It's what Peter did. Two months after Peter uh, comes back and Jesus pulls him back into things, he goes out and gives one of the best sermons you're going to read in the New Testament. And 3,000 people begin relationships with God. The church is started in the First Testament. And it's because Peter understood the fact that God included him, he needed to include others. Now, I'm not asking you to go out and preach to 3,000 people. I'm asking you to reach out to one person. And I guarantee there's a name in the back of your head. There's somebody at work. There's somebody from school. There's somebody in your family that you haven't talked to in years because they're the black sheep. And God's speaking into your heart saying, that's the person I want you to reach out to. And if you're not ready to tell your story, then just invite them here and let us tell a story to them. Use the invitation cards, bring them into Outcast or bring them to the Easter service. And it's not to put somebody in a seat. It's because they deserve the opportunity to hear about God's grace, just like we do. God sees worth in them. They matter to him. And so we want to let them know that. So as we sing this last song, it's got these great, great lyrics about coming to God as you are, asking him to take care of things and trusting him to do it. 
So let's ask God to work in our lives this morning, to speak to our hearts, and then let's go out and include others in this story. Let's pray. God, it is such a blessing to be able to share your story of grace with the people around us. And it's not an easy thing to do, but God, it's what you call us to do because you care about those people. And so we need to care about those people. This morning, Father God, I pray that you would identify for us someone we need to reach out to, to tell about your love and about your grace, about the fact that you want them in your story. God, if that's what we're struggling with this morning, if we feel like we have no place at the table, if we feel like we don't get to be part of what you are doing because of something that we've done, something that we've said, I pray, God, that you would work in our hearts and, Father, that we would begin the conversation this morning, that we come to you as we are. We trust you to pour out your grace and your mercy on our lives because you are good. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you can go ahead and uh, be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you're here with us today. If you are new and joining us for the first time, we would love to meet you. So please stop by our Connection Center, and uh, we'd love to answer any of the questions that you might have for us. Well, if you could, there is an announcement sheet on your seats. Go ahead and grab that. I'm going to highlight a few things that you need to know about that's going on here at Epic. Next week, we've got something very exciting. If you are interested in going to Israel, we are trying to form a trip to going to Israel. Um, And so next week, we have two informational meetings after each of the services, or an information meeting after each service. And so there's a guy who has been going to Israel. He's been 125 times, and this is going to be his last time. And so you would be going with a guy who is awesome, who knows the ins and outs of that trip. And so if you're interested, um, please show up to that meeting next week after each of the services. And then uh, next week as well, Serge is already thinking about the summer. So that is our student ministry. And so we're going to talk about the summer already. So if you have a student who is going to be going into the seventh grade this summer and through 12th grade, then this summer camp is for them. And so next week we're having information meetings after each service in the teacher's lounge right here on this side uh, to find out about the camp. It's going to be a great time where they are going to have tons of fun, learn about the story of God, and then also do a service project as well. And it's at uh, Jekyll Island in Georgia. And so it's going to be getting out of the state of Florida and it's going to be a great time to for that. So please attend that information meeting uh, next week. And then in two weeks, it's Easter already. Can you believe that? Yeah, it is fastly approaching. Uh, Later that afternoon on Easter, we are actually having a baptism at 16th Street North. And so if you have put your faith in Christ, if you have become a Christ follower and never been baptized, I can't think of a better day to be baptized. So if you're interested in that, we need you to sign up online at theepicchurch.com. Go to our sign-up tab and then fill out uh, all the information there. It'll walk you through what baptism means and everything. And so it'll be a great time where we come together and celebrate those who are going uh, public with their faith. And then also, uh, for Easter, that is the time where, besides Christmas, where people are most uh, acceptable or most um, 
ready to come to church. And so if you have friends, family members, or workers that you know that you've been coming to Epic, you've been checking out God, it's meant so much to you, there is a card on your seat, an invite card. And so we would love for you to take that card, invite one of your friends, your family members, or a coworker uh, to Easter, and have them come on out and join us. Then, this very next announcement is a big announcement, okay? You need to mark your calendars. On April 18th, we are having our 3G Saturday. So you remember in the fall where we uh, did 3G Sunday? Well, we are having 3G Saturday. And so for our 3G events, uh, we believe in gathering together going and giving of our time to our community. And so this is a really cool thing that we do to show that we are for our community. And so God um, wants us and wants all of us to understand that he's for us and not against us. And when Jesus came, he met our physical needs, our spiritual needs, and also our emotional needs. And so this is a way that we can do the same for our community. We can go out and meet physical needs, emotional needs, and spiritual needs as well, and then open up a conversation about God's greatest gift in his son, Jesus Christ, as well. And so it's gonna be an amazing time. Uh, we have seven various projects that we are doing within the community. We need about 130 of you to sign up for those projects, and here's the deal. Like, they're on the website right now. And after today, people are going to be signing up, and it's for families, and they can serve next to their kids, and there's other events for adults and all those things. So the trips are going, or the projects are going to fill up really fast. So go online, check them out. There's a scrolling banner. Uh, see what project fits you and your family, and then uh, sign up for that. And that's coming April 18th. 3G Saturday, and we'll have a great time of showing our county that we are for Flagler uh, in that moment. And then another way that we can give back to God is through our giving. And uh, if you call Epic Home, there's two ways that you can give. You can give through the giving boxes located at the end of each section or online at theepicchurch.com. Now, after this service, uh, it is spring break for a lot of kids. Uh, we actually get to leave the majority of this place up except for our kids' areas. So if you are on the teardown team, we need you to come right up to the front here and see Jeff, and he's going to help direct us on the areas that we do need to tear down because they're going be doing some spring cleaning around here, so we need to break down our kids' area. So if you're on our teardown team, just come on up after the service to this area, and we'll let you know what we need to break down. Now, before we uh, continue in our message series, I'm going to pray for us as we continue to uh, journey in our Outcast series and learn about God's heartbeat for us. So let's pray. Father, uh, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, thank you so much that you are an inclusive God. And so today, God, I just pray that we would hear what you want us to hear, God. I pray that we would see your heartbeat towards us no matter who we are. Some of us consider ourselves outcasts, and God, you are for us. And so just thank you for today, and uh, just let us hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.